You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Tuesday podcast, VolQuest.com, and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. As always, please like this video if you're watching on YouTube, and subscribe to the channel. Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, Grant Ramey. I am Eric Kane. A whole lot to talk about as we enter 2023. Uh, but lastly, Tennessee did have a final game in 2022. That was the Orange Bowl, 31-14 win over Clemson. It was a good win for Tennessee. First 11-win season since 2001, Austin Price. It was a game, in my opinion, that Tennessee really controlled throughout, and you can credit Clemson for, for helping them out there a little bit, but you know, credit Joe Milton, credit that defense. It was a good team win, and it was an exclamation point to a really fun season. Yeah, uh, Tennessee's defense got it done. Um, you know, you kind of felt the whole time like, man, Tennessee, you know, they've had a chance to kind of knock them out a couple of times and kind of kept letting them hang around, and then when – they finally scored the Klubnik on the Klubnik run, and then Kamal Haddon got the silly penalty and gave him the ball at the one and a half, and they got the two-point conversion, made it 21-14. You're like, oh, it just just doesn't line up well. But credit Tennessee for getting right back up. Big third-down conversion to Ramel Keaton, then a little stutter go to Ramel Keaton, and then it was over at that point. Uh, Clemson, You knew Clemson wasn't going to score um, two more scores. Not that they hadn't moved the ball in Tennessee, but they had just had no, shown no ability to finish a drive the entire game and uh you know tennessee 11 wins in year two under josh heupel i don't think anybody predicted that going into the season especially uh in the form that they did it beating alabama beating lsu beating florida pittsburgh on the road and then rounding it out with clemson we sat there on monday and we're watching the cotton bowl and i'm like man if tennessee had played two lane they're just even if they'd won it just wouldn't have been the same i mean beating clemson is a marquee win to end the year yeah, and for me, it, it's that that particular sequence of events that you're talking about in the game, Austin, it epitomizes what Tennessee was able to do this year. You know, they they were a good, they were a team that answered um, when, when they're I like the stupid scored Alabama. You know, you you look when they when they had to, you know, with the exception of two games when they had to they had to answer, they found a way to answer, and um, I, I give I give this team a lot of credit, a lot of resiliency that way, and that was. Uh, it was very fitting that that's kind of the way that that Clemson game went because that's kind of how you're going to remember this football team is that whenever it got a little dicey, that offense seemed to find a way to 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 bounce back or to, to slam the door or to slimy momentum, whatever phrase you want to use. That offense seemed to find a way to, to do that all season long. You know, Grant, I think the uh, there's a couple of different storylines of this game, obviously, uh, but Orange Bowl MVP, Joe Milton, uh, he wasn't perfect. Uh, he's not Hendon Hooker, nor will he ever be Hendon Hooker. He's Joe Milton. And something that Austin's been talking about, uh, you know, really this entire month kind of leading up to the Orange Bowl is, you know, those drags, those those short slants, some of those those digs, the, the short to intermediate over the middle throws is kind of what Joe thrives in. And I thought Tennessee called a lot of that, and it was good for him and kind of built up his confidence. And 
He was, I think, four for seven in deep balls and had a couple of touchdowns. He looked really good, and he played really well. And there is going to be a quarterback competition this spring. Joey Halsey and Josh Hoppel pretty much mentioned that um, earlier this week or, or last week. But if kind of like what Brent said last night on the Rocky Top Rewind, if you left Hard Rock Stadium or turned off the TV, if you're a Tennessee fan, you felt a whole lot better about the direction of the offense after that game than you did before that game seeing Joe Milton play. For sure, and I think a lot of it was just – there were a lot of three and outs in that game. Felt like there were more three and outs in that game from Tennessee's offense than we saw in 11 games with Hendon Hooker. But even with that, Joe still had a lot of throws where he stepped into the pocket and he rifled in that touchdown to Brew McCoy, that touchdown to Squirrel White. I mean, those balls are 100 miles an hour, but he put them where he had to put them. And I was watching the replay last night. Uh, I don't know what ESPN channel it was on, but just randomly found it. And that third and eight that he converted to Ramel Keaton to set up that 46-yard I think that or a 50 yard or whatever it was that touchdown mm-hmm. or a mail, that deep ball and that, yeah. that stutter and go. He, that was a really impressive throw to move this, cha- uh, move the chains and then to go deep to a mail again. That was kind of the knockout blow. Like Austin talked about Clemson kept hanging around. They kept looking for that knockout blow. I was impressed by, you know, the wheels didn't fall off when there's a few three and outs in a row and Clemson didn't score and get back in it and get it back to one possession. Joe found answers. He made tough throws over the middle. He put balls where he had to put them. Uh, he made good reads, too, especially on that uh, – I believe it was that squirrel white touchdown. Uh, he looked off a of safety there and threw it there. That was good, uh, impressive stuff. So the wheels didn't fall off, and they just kind of kept finding ways to, to answer Clemson. I thought that was impressive from Joe. Well, you saw um, growth throughout the whole course of the year. Nathan back to when he was just getting some run and, and, and blowout, mop-up duty, um, and then the Vanderbilt game, you still saw growth. Um I think the one area where he's got to continue to improve is when things break down, being able to be more creative. Uh, He's not super creative when things break down to be able to extend and find things. Um, And then when he, when that does happen, show touch on those throws. Cause there was a couple of times when things did break down and he had guys and he, and he just, I mean, mean, I get it, man. The guy just goes like this. I mean, Grant, again, I'll say this. Grant Grant's video that he did from Rookie of the Year is the most perfect uh, thing there is. But, I mean, like, he just kind of does this, and it just, you know, and, like, I think those short things when break or when plays break down and you've got to be a little more creative and you've got to show a little more touch on an eight-yard pass, um, that's something he's got to continue to improve upon. But if you go back and watch the beginning of last year and now, uh, to me, those are two different quarterbacks, and uh, he's grown a lot. Now, he's still going to improve a lot more, but to me, he, he's a great testament to development and the kid kind of sticking in there and not, uh, you know, turning his nose up to coaching and, and you know, listening to, to the coaches and improving. Yeah, I no. think it's going to be fascinating if, if he's the guy, Eric, and we'll see what happens with quarterback con- you know, competition and all that. If he is the guy, what kind of help do they give him how do they adjust the offense to help him on those breakdown plays? Because with Hendon Hooker, you didn't have to have a check down or a safety valve, right? But because Hendon Hooker had the ability to scramble, you know, he had enough wiggle, he could get out of trouble. That's not Joe's game. Now Joe can run the he can run single wing, but but the, the fact is that Joe doesn't have that kind of wiggle and the ability to kind of make people miss and step through some stuff the way we saw with Hendon Hooker. So what is the counter schematically for Tennessee to help Joe get out of trouble? You know, what, what, what is the answer to that? We hear Coach, Coach Heupel say all the time, 
you know, we can we can have fast guys, we can have short guys, tall guys, we can have guys who can run, we can have guys who don't run. All those things are available in this offense. So what is the adjustment to a guy who doesn't run nearly as well as Hendon and Hooker runs? And, and what does that look like schematically? I, I think that's going to be fascinating to see with this team moving forward if Joe Milton is indeed their quarterback. Yeah, and that's something we can check out maybe in the spring, something we obviously are not going to have an answer to, um, you know, really until we see them play again next fall. But that, that is a really good point because when you think of Hendon Hooker, um, again, it's not like he was trying to take off and run every single time, but how many times in the pocket did he step up, step up, you know, shed a would-be tackler and then just go or kind of roll out to the outside, nothing's there, and then go. Um, you know, maybe Joe can do a little bit of that, but that's not really Joe's game. Now, the design runs for Joe. He can run with the football, and he looked good doing that a little bit against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. So maybe you see even a little bit more of that incorporated if he is the guy next year. So, you know, we'll have to see. Grant brought up about the three announce and the punts, and I completely agree. I mean, Tennessee punted a ton in this football game. But again, I, I feel like it's just a testament to this offense and to these guys to where you don't have Hidden Hooker, who was a Heisman, you know, contender, the fifth in the Heisman voting. You don't have Cedric Tillman, who missed a lot of the year, Jalen Hyatt, who was a Blitnikoff. You don't have all these guys you're the nation's number one offense. Sure, your numbers were down, but you still had over 350 yards of offense. You still, you still scored 31 points in this football game, and you did it against a really good defense. Sure, they were missing two guys. One guy who's going to be a top 10 pick. He's a good player, but that's an NFL front seven, in my opinion, Grant, and Tennessee still found a way. It wasn't pretty all the time, but they got their points. They moved down the field, and they ran their offense even without some of those guys. And they they ran it with those guys that you're going to be depending on next mm -hmm. year. I think Squirrel said it after the game that he had some chemistry for, with Joe because both of those guys had been working with the number twos all season. And I think it was like the first five passes or something from Joe Friday night. I think four targets went to to Squirrel, and I think he had three catches on on those four targets. And for him to go from doing relatively nothing all season except for some mop up duty, catching some long balls from Milton to having 10 targets and nine receptions and 108 yards, whatever it was, and the touchdown. And for Joe to throw three touchdowns and to spread it out to Squirrel and to Ramel uh, and to Brew, those guys that they're going to be relying on heavily next year uh, to be guys in this offense. I mean, they've had two 1,000-yard receivers in back-to-back -back years under Heupel, different receivers. Now who's going to be that next guy? That was what's impressive to me. They know the numbers weren't what we're accustomed to based on what we saw with Hendon Hooker. I don't know if you're ever going to replicate that because – and then was that special in this uh, offense, in my opinion. But for them to take the steps forward that they did with the guys they did it with against Clemson, it's very encouraging uh, moving forward with 2023. Well, and, and again, at the start of the year, no one was expecting Squirrel White to be a factor late in the year. No one had Ramel Keaton pegged for any kind of real, real reps. And, and Brew McCoy hadn't played a game in over two years. And, you know, if you told me Brew is going to get basically 700 yards receiving and, you know, have the key catches, the, the touchdown late in the first half against Florida, the long one against LSU when Tennessee kind of kept things rolling, obviously the big catch against Alabama. I mean, he, he just kind of, you know, he to me is like the safety valve for whoever the quarterback is because big catch radius, he's a bull when he catches the ball. Um He's the closest thing, and maybe you know it, it, it looks that way because he's wearing the same number. But he's the closest thing to Jawan Jennings as far as being able to get you know broken tackles and yards after the catch, um, as far as contact um, on this team. And so he, he to me is just kind of that safety valve for no whoever the quarterback is in twenty three. Um, so 
I'm with you guys. I mean, like, you know, they, they were missing some key pieces and, and, you know, it wasn't the exact same, but it was good enough. To me, Brew McCoy, and, and you go look at his numbers at the end of the year and he had a really good year, right? He put up good numbers. It feels like to me, he's like open every play. It feels like to me, they only throw left or right. <laughs> like at the end of the game, you're like, man, they didn't get him the ball enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and look, they're obviously highly productive. So it's, it's not, but I mean, he's a guy that you feel like could easily be a thousand yard receiver in this offense yes. but without, without any difficulty. Cause there's a lot of games, Grant, I walked out of the stadium or, or, or rewatched the game and was like, man, he for possession or two possessions, it was like brew, brew, brew. And it was like a quarter and a half later before you, you realized brew McCoy was on the field. It, it was kind of, he was more involved than Javante Payton, but it felt a little Javante Payton, like a little bit, you know, early catch for brew and then the disappearing act. So, uh, I'd be curious to see how he grows in this offensive year, too. I mean, look at Cedric Tillman in 2020 versus what he was able to do in 2021, just that step he took. it's. I mean, you plug these guys into this offense, it doesn't really matter who you are almost. They're going to put up numbers from somebody. And I think I think he's just a, a big a, a candidate for a 1,000-yard receiver, big play guy. The the Like you saw, talked about, the safety valve, kind of the, the comfort guy for this, uh, whoever the quarterback is next season is anybody. 52 catches, 667 yards, four touchdowns. Not bad. And all four touchdowns were big, big. And it doesn't feel like he had that many catches. No. I mean, you know what I mean? And I think he was targeted something like nearly 80 times, 75, 80 times. It doesn't feel like the ball was thrown to him that much to me, um, which, again, is, is just kind of a, a credit to what this offense is. We'll, we'll see what he looks like if he's on the right side next year. I mean, we were talking about it like – 3 a.m. or whatever in Miami Friday or Saturday morning, I guess it was. Like, Squirrel's the one guy that it feels like Joe can't overthrow. He's got that speed that you had in Jalen, that guy that can get back past the secondary because they're going to scheme these guys open. And 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 Brew feels like that Cedric Tillman from 2021, the guy that's just kind of always there. He could be that guy moving forward, that guy that's always there, like the, that safety valve you were talking about earlier. And let's be clear, though, nobody pulled the Houdini better than Javante Payton. He'd be there on drive one and drive two, catch a touchdown. <laughs> Where'd he go? I see him, but is he doing anything? Some plays he took off, too. It was uh, it was quite something. But, hey, 18 catches for Payton in 2021, six touchdowns. Just incredible. One of my favorite stat lines ever. Um, offense was good. Defense was fantastic. Gave up so many yards. But, again, it was very NFLS. You give up yards. You don't give up a whole lot of points, and um, Tennessee found a way. Clemson helped them out, of course, missing three field goals, and then uh, Dabo going for it with a fake field goal in the opening possession. I mean, that was that was Clemson handing Tennessee more chance, chance and opportunity after opportunity, but Tennessee bowed its bag, made a big fourth down stop when the game, kind of got close there, came up with two interceptions, forced a couple of punts, forced a couple of turnover on downs. Um, bend but not break is kind of what I wrote about on Saturday, Austin. And, you know, that type of defensive performance was fun. Tennessee's front four got after Kate Klubnick. I think they tried to pressure him as much as they could and tried to make him confused and rattle him a little bit. You know, there was a hit with Aaron Beasley in the first quarter when um, he didn't sack him, but he blitzed and he he put him on the turf. And I think that hit stuck with Kate Klubnick the rest of the way. Um, can't really say enough about Tennessee's defensive performance. It wasn't perfect, but it was really, really good and it was fun to watch. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I think Aaron Beasley is, I think he was terrific. Um, and, and again, they gave up yards, but... We talked about it. I mean, I think that's part of this defense is, is be offensive and uh, make a play here and there and, and then be really, you know, better in the red zone or, or, or really good when the ball's on your side of the field. I mean, when you play 100 snaps a game, 90 snaps or whatever it's going to end up being, you're going to give up yards. You're, you're not you're not pitching Vanderbilt being the exception, Grant. You're, you're not you're not getting seven, three and outs, eight, three and outs in a game where you're playing that many possessions. So. It's about winning in the red zone, and Tennessee won on their side of the field against Clemson um, in a way that they couldn't against South Carolina, they couldn't against Georgia. But I think that's the key for this defense. They're never going to be the lowest, you know, points allowed defense in the conference with, with the offense Tennessee plays. But that was a nice performance by Tim Banks's group. I mean, Hubs, you talked about early on the, the responses that this team had throughout the year in certain situations, in certain games. I think just the team's response, the defensive response from whatever happened at South Carolina. I mean, when we were leaving that game, it felt like, who's this defense going to stop? Like, Vandy's not good, but Vandy was playing for bowl eligibility, and Vandy had won at Kentucky, and Vandy had beat Florida at home. I mean, they had a pulse, and Tennessee went there and shut them out and did what they did, and then to play the way they did against Clemson, I mean – this this season, it you know, the wheels could have fell off. You could have rolled over. It could have been over after the way you played at South Carolina. But for them to have the response that they had at Vanderbilt, then to set the tone early, I think it was the second play that Aaron Beasley sacked uh, Klubnik there on that blitz up the middle. Um, just that set the tone. And I don't know. Shout out BT Potter, man. We he was the he was the that was your MVP, man. That was my MVP. I was trying to get Austin to vote for him. He had the vote. I didn't. Who did more to help Tennessee? BT Potter. Or- or somebody on the defense. The, the I tell you the 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 real loser uh, from the game was all the media members that couldn't grasp clicking the link. Like they they came to like fifteen media people and they said, "Hey, you, you have a vote for MVP. You good with that? We'll send you a link." At the start of the game, they sent the link and said, "Hey, in the fourth quarter, when you're directed, click the link, type in your name, type in who the MVP should be, and hit submit." And no, so many people just kept texting back on the group text, who should be the MVP? And I'm just like, how is this that hard? But again, they were all with eight six four numbers, so should have added me to the thread. I would. They, they were salty that they didn't get the win, and so thus they they just said, I'm not going to click the link. I'm not giving them the clicks. <laughs> back, to Beasley. The, back to the Go defense ahead, for, for a second. You know, we're, we're talking about answering the bell. Um, you know, and handling adversity. You think about the defensive plays that, that were made this year in critical situations. The, the interception by Trayvon Flowers at Pitt, if you don't get that when you're down three scores, that game that game looks totally different at, at that point. A sack in that game. Up, yeah, I mean, 
well, but Tennessee might end up winning, but I mean, they're getting ready to go down seven, at least 17, nothing, if not 21, nothing. When he makes that pick there, LSU, Tennessee gets the fast start, but LSU drives the length of the field. Tennessee gets a key fourth down stop in Tennessee territory, negates any chances of LSU really getting settled into that game. Uh, Florida, they get a stop on fourth down in the Florida game on the opening drive when Billy Napier decides not to kick a field goal and take an early lead. The fourth down stopping is Will Shipley. So this this defense gave up a lot, but they also had some really critical moments where they got stops. I mean, look, Alabama, they got a stop against Alabama, you know, late in that game where they had to. There, there was enough plays that helped. I mean, they're a big part of why Tennessee won 11 games. It wasn't just the offense outscoring everybody. They made some critical stops. They have to make more of them. They got to continue to grow that roster. But I think – if you exclude the South Carolina game, this defense took a pretty good-sized step from year one to year two with their ability to make plays and get off the field. And how many of those times did Tennessee go and score on the ensuing possession? A lot. Yeah, a lot. That, that right there. Pittsburgh for sure. Uh, Florida they did. LSU they did. I mean, three of them I know for sure they did. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're still not there yet. Um, but the reason they were able to take a step, in my opinion, was because the offense was so efficient. It forced coaches into kind of making like knee jerk, like, hey, I've got to go for this fourth down. Instead of just taking the points like LSU did, like instead of just taking the three, they felt like I got to keep pace. I can't, we can't, you know, we don't, we can't stop Tennessee. So we've got to score in every possession too. And then all of a sudden you play from behind and you, these teams just couldn't do it. And Tennessee, again, had enough playmakers on defense, what do they look like a year from now? Because I think the playmakers will be even better because I think that they're going to play more. Uh, these, these kids that were freshmen or sophomore are now going to be, you know, sophomores or juniors, and they're going to be in the in the rotation way more than they were this year. I think athletically they're going to be way better in 2023. Maybe the offense isn't what it was this year, but the defense I think can be better, which means I don't know if there's a huge decline you know, uh, you know, going into 23, I think ten, ten, the, the, the Tennessee still got some, some real attainable goals heading into next year. I mean, you, you got some young pass rushers who are, you know, just going to continue to get better and better. Joshua Joseph's played a ton this year. I think James Pierce is just an absolute freak. If he can put it together, you got some two, two more young ones coming in that needs to grow but and learn the system. They, they both have to continue to mature though. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, Talent is one thing, Hubbard, but if you're not doing everything right off the field, it doesn't matter what kind of talent you have. And so, like, you know, all these young kids have, you know, all the world of, of you know, possibilities right in front of them, but you still have to go get it. It's not going to just be like, here, here, take it. Like, you have, still have to go earn it. Yeah, yeah. And, for jo- and for Joshua Joseph, that starts with getting some lead in his rear end, right? I mean, it's a huge offseason for him to add some weight and to add some muscle so he can be an every-down guy and not, you know, kind of a one-trick pony, if you will. Um, I, I think, you know, I like Danico Slaughter in coverage. I think somebody needs to sit down with Danico Slaughter and go, hey, man, you know, the NFL likes big corners, you know. I'm not sure if you're an NFL corner, but if you can play corner at a high level in college, worst-case scenario for you is they'll move you to play in safety or, the, or, or nickel safety you know, in the NFL, you best help this team and you best help your resume by being a coverage guy next year. And I, I would put him on a corner and just leave him out there, Grant. I, I think if he focused on one position, 
I think Danico Slaughter could be a good could be a good player. But think about it. I mean, he was he was the backup star, <laughs> right? He worked at safety and he was a corner. So on the practice field, in a game week, hey, we're going twos. Danico, you go to star. Okay, we go threes. Danico, you go to say. I mean, he needs to channel in on one position. I think his best position ultimately for this team next year is at corner. I would have Danico watch the Kentucky film uh, on a loop, basically for the next what six months because of how well he played in that game and try to get that replicated. I mean, and on the defensive line, you guys were talking about. I mean, who do you trust more than Charlie Garner to get? I mean, Roddy Garner to get these guys developed, going right. I mean, that's the that's the one position coach that. If I'm going to trust to, to do as good of a job as anybody, it's going to be him. Well, I, I, trust, I trust Charlie Garner, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Garner, throw him in there, too. But, I mean, who had, a, who had Amari McNeil making plays for Tennessee down the stretch of the season and in the bowl game? Who had that on the bingo card? Nobody. Like, I mean, so, I mean, he's a guy who's going to play a lot next year, I think. I think Rodney Garner really likes him. If he continues to buy in, I think he's going to be heavy in the rotation. Bryson Eason, you see the talent there. I mean, Grant's right. That's just what he does. I mean, he, he gets the most out of guys because he can get guys to completely buy in, which is why you have confidence, Austin, and James Pierce and Joshua Joseph maturing and doing the things because that's 35 years of a resume of Rodney Garner getting guys to be able to do that. Well, they're either going to buy in or they're going to buy out. So <laughs> one, one way or the other, there's, I don't think there's really any guys that, that play for Coach Garner that kind of ride the fence. I think it's either kind of all in or all out. And, you know, um, you're, you're hoping that those kids buy in to the offseason because Joseph's got run. He, he got run throughout the season. Um, he's got to put on more weight, though. He's just he's too light in the rear end. I mean, you said it best. I mean, he, he needs to put – he needs to be 235 before next season. And that's really like – like I mean, he right now is like two, what, 218, something like that. I mean, like he, he needs – on a good day. Yeah. I mean, he's got to put on a lot of weight. And that's not even that Byron big. Young. Byron Young did the same thing. He got here and he was a twig. And then the next time we saw him, he was like 250. And we're like, holy crap. And he's like, yeah, I put on 35 pounds. And now I, that might be a rare case, but he put on like 35 pounds in like nine months. I mean, it was it was big from him. Yeah, 100%. And, and so like, you know, again, though, that's an older guy easier for him to buy in these young kids who've been told they're great from high school. It's a little harder to kind of get them to kind of dive all in unless they have a certain work ethic. James Pierce, same thing. I mean, he can put on, I mean, he's got a bigger frame than Joseph's. So I think he can add the weight easier than anybody. And he's naturally bigger anyways, but again, doing the little things off the field, like, you know, those are the things that these two have to, to take advantage of if they're going to take a step this offseason. Because Tennessee's got to have more than Roman Harrison going into next year. So, um, you know, Sean Davion Bradley's not big enough right now. I mean, he, it, whatever Josephs needs to put on, I'd double that for Sean Davion Bradley. I mean, he, he, he's just not big enough. And then Caleb Herring, I think it helps that he is here now. And can I think the best thing going for him is he's back around Elijah. I've always said that I think that he – not having his older brother who really is more like a mentor to him than anything around for the last year, probably hurt Caleb a little bit. I think he will have a total buy-in now that he's back around Elijah every day. I think that he's someone who will look probably a little bit different when we see him in spring. And then I think a lot different when we see him in August. I tracked these down. I put them on the board the other day. Um, This is mostly interior guys. Like I know Dominic Bailey moves around a little bit, but 
interior guys snaps in the Orange Bowl. I love this. Simmons didn't play any. Um, Carl Garland didn't play any. Terry had 17 snaps. Bailey, 33 snaps. McNeil, 17 snaps from Amari McNeil. Eason, 49 snaps. Thomas, 37 snaps. And then Tyler Barron, who plays who plays that defensive end spot, but he slides inside on third downs a lot. He had 46 snaps. I mean, that's a lot of guys. And there was over 100 snaps in this game for Clemson. That's a lot of guys getting a lot of runs. So it just goes to show you, if you buy in, you put the work in, you improve. I mean, you know, Gardner, whether it's Rodney or Charlie, they're going to play you. You know, they're, they're going to play you in this football game. What about Bill? You'll get your Bill Gardner. I mean, we just keep on <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and listen, and here's the thing. that That's not a one-off. That's not a bowl game one-off. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those defensive coaches stood up there in August and talked about, hey, we got to play more people. we got to play more bodies. Rodney Garner led the parade of that out of the gate. I mean, he played 12 or 13 at Pittsburgh in what was a pretty low snap game when you look at it. I mean, he rotated guys there. And I think, I think Brian Jean-Marie followed suit. I mean, he rotated three linebackers in there pretty heavily. Um, and, and then – you know, when the secondary was just a mash of trying, they rotated at corner trying to find people, but they didn't rotate enough at safety. Uh, but those fr- that front seven, they played a lot of bodies, particularly on the defensive line from the get-go this year, and it paid off for this defense. I-, I think that was a big reason why they were so good against the run, Eric, because they didn't get as wore down playing that volume of snap, playing those volume of snaps. Now, I thought they got a little tired late in the second half, you know, or midway through the third quarter in the Clemson game and started giving mm-hmm. up some yards. Uh, but that was, again, a 100-snap game. Uh, but but you don't survive a 100-snap game if you're not playing 13, 14 guys up front. Well, I mean, you held you had Will Shipley to five yards on three carries in the first half. You knew that wasn't going to hold up. And he ended up getting like 70 yards or whatever. But they did a good job with him. I love the three-man rotation at linebacker. I do. It was all year long. It was Banks, Beasley, and Mitchell. And then Solon Page still got anywhere from, you know, 12 to 17 snaps a game, too. So technically it was four-man, but really it was a heavy three. I love that. That's what you got to do, in my opinion. The heavy dose up front. And then just trying to find guys in the secondary. And I, I would have liked to have seen some more rotation, obviously, like all of us here at safety. But it does help. It helps so much. You're going to play more snaps going up against playing complimentary football to this offense that's you know, snapping, getting off the field in a hurry. So I think that's what you got to do. I think they took a step in the right direction, especially in the front seven and doing that this year. And just trying to find the right rotation of guys in the back end for 2023. Now, Football season's officially over. 2022, it's done. It, it's 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 over. Austin, what's next for this team? And well, it's going... the transfer portal, and it all starts uh, coming up on uh, the 4th. Tennessee will start hosting uh, some players uh, the 4th through the 8th. Um, you'll see, you know, I think John Campbell, offensive tackle from Miami, come in. I think you'll see Dante Thornton come in. Um, I think you'll see Omar Norman Lott come in closer to the weekend. I think the first two will be here the fourth. I don't, I'm thinking Lott may not be here till the fifth or sixth. Uh, the Arizona State defensive lineman. He's a three technique, um, which is something that they I think would like to add, um, you know, to the to the defensive line room. Oh, they had enough of those. Well, no, they have enough noses. They 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 feel like they need another three technique or an edge guy. Not an edge guy out there. They really uh, covet so. Uh, Omar Norman Lott makes the most sense. The Texas State kid may or may not come in. If he does come in, I think it's more exploratory than it is anything else. Um, the, who's a defensive lineman? You know, and then Marshawn Lloyd. At this point, um, we'll see. Uh, you know, um, I said in the Monday night chat, like I, I'm, I'm not so sure he makes it in. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Tennessee's still trying there um, and, and still taking a look at him. But uh, 
don't think that that's a slam dunk as uh, as we all thought it was uh, just a week or two ago. And then, of course, you've got, you know, who's going to leave this roster currently? Yep. Um, you know, what does that look like? And I think the other thing about this team, um, guys, is is who has to have off-season work? You know, one of the things we talk about development of guys and development of positions, linebackers got better because they were on the practice field in spring ball. Defensive line got better because those guys got a bunch of rep in spring ball. One of the issues in the secondary, and I'm not making excuses for them, but one of the issues in the secondary is they played a lot of guys out of position in the spring because they had so many guys hurt. That really stunted the development of this secondary. So I think one of the big questions about the development of this team moving forward is not just roster movement, Grant. It's who's going to be out there for spring practice to develop with. They were really hurt last year and hampered in that secondary development because they had five or six guys who were in shoulder slings or crutches or whatever because of all season procedures. And I, I mean, how many were, how many are in bowl practices or were in bowl practices uh, the last few weeks? I mean, how much of a head start is that going into spring practice with some of these guys that, that you need, I need to go back. Y'all were talking about putting on a weight. I'm very disappointed. I heard there's a lot of Andy Griffith uh, references on this podcast in the past. Y'all didn't once talk about just don't get the hiccups and, and, and put on the chain to hold up the identification tag. Well, how does, how does it, and, and four plates of mashed potatoes, right? Right, and don't get the hiccups. Well, we're gonna we, we are gonna put Danico Slaughter. If he's gonna play corner, we're gonna put him over there in the in the closet and have him stretch. <laughs> we gotta gotta be tall enough. Grant. I hope he's gonna be looking through the window, starting rumors. Uh, now, two years ago, it was linebacker in the spring. This past year, it was the secondary. This year, it's gonna be running back because because mm-hmm. you know Jalen Wright's gonna have a wrist cleanup and. Jabari Small is going to have a shoulder cleanup. And so I'm okay with those two because those two know how to play, right? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I mean, you you always have to have some of that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, they had just a rash of guys who desperately needed spring ball last year, particularly at the cornerback position that stunted their their individual development. Well, so what you end up with, though, is you're going to put Dylan Sampson, try to keep him upright and, and, and healthy. And then you have, you know, the freshman. So, like, all of a sudden, Deshaun Bishop is going to get a ton of run in spring, along with, you know, um, you know, uh, ah, good grief. Cam Selden? Yeah, Cam Selden. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, those guys are all of a sudden going to get a lot of work, you know, which is, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, they're going to they're gonna throw them in there and see what they can do. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm with you, Hubs. You want to get them, you want to get them right, and those guys have proven they can play. I'm just saying from a from a depth yeah. standpoint, it's going to be pretty thin there at running back in the spring. Yeah, and but but thankfully, I don't know that you're moving anybody to that position. I mean, the Christian Charles experiment at corner was just – it just didn't work. I mean, it, it just it, – it didn't work for Christian. It didn't work for Tennessee. I, I know they tried it there, but, I mean, he's a safety. Um, and, and, you know, he was forced to play corner last spring, and they tried to figure out a way to make that work, and that just that just didn't work. So we'll see what that group looks like. By the way, Grant, during the whole reference to that episode of the Andy Griffith Show, Eric Kane was like, he was drifting in the la la land. There, he he had. No, I think that I, I he think he should no be idea forced. what was being discussed. We should get him at least seasons one through four and make him watch them. You know, basically say this is your homework. You know, get caught up. You get caught up, and if then you the don't have to worry about the. Don't worry about the episodes in color. Just stick black and white. <laughs> I mean, Both of good. you guys need to watch every episode of The Office a couple times, though. It, that if way you really, if you really think about it, like what Ball Quest got done this fall when like Hubs's hip 
really kind of stunted our growth when we first moved over to on three. It's really remarkable. I mean, you know, credit to the entire staff. Cause I mean, we overcame that hip, that hip surgery and staff never been on an airplane. <laughs> uh, a lot of you guys are probably thinking, what about Khalifa Keith? Khalifa Keith is not uh, an early enrollee here for the spring, so he won't be here for spring practice. Uh, quickly, we got a couple of minutes. Grant, Tennessee, uh, got a win to begin SEC play in Oxford over Ole Miss. It wasn't the prettiest of games, but a win is a win. Got Mississippi State coming in tonight for the SEC home opener. And yesterday, uh, Rick Barnes gave kind of an update, a little bit of an update about Josiah Jordan-James saying he is continuing to work himself back to uh, be a part of this rotation, essentially. I don't know when Josiah's coming back, but it looks a lot closer right now than it has in a long time. Uh, he went through full pregame at Ole Miss. It looked like he could have played against Ole Miss. He didn't play that game. Uh, during practice on Monday, he went through basically the first half of practice, the five-on-five work, the four-on-four work, everything that everybody else was doing. Josiah was doing, and he was kind of bouncing around. Looked like he was you know, pretty happy with the progress that he's making. Toward the second half of practice, he kind of started doing some stretching and doing some you know, some work on his knee and kind of taking it easy. But to see him do that in practice is something we have not seen him do in a long time. I don't know if he plays against Mississippi State uh, tonight. I don't know if South Carolina might be an option on Saturday going to South Carolina. That's always a big game for him uh, being a Charleston kid. Um, South Carolina is probably the worst team in the league uh, by a long shot. So I don't know when you try to work him back in, but it feels like he's making a lot of progress pretty quickly to, to, where he might be a factor again, or he might try it, see how it feels if he can get in a game uh, moving forward, if he can put some games together where it's not play two, sit out four, play one, sit out three, whatever it is, he could actually get in, maybe get something feeling right where he could consistently contribute. But um, if he can, it would be huge because this offense needs him. He's he's probably one of the best shooters on this team. Uh, the defense needs him because he's so versatile. The leadership needs him because he's been around for so long. He, he affects every part of the game uh, in every way possible. Not a whole lot of points expected tonight against Mississippi State, right? No. Uh, if you're if you're tuning in for a fun game of basketball to watch, uh, if you're looking for made shots, uh, I don't know if it's for you. I think uh, it's going to be like a 95-90 final, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be like a 48-45 final probably because Mississippi State's I think number six in adjusted defensive efficiency and the Kempon number Tennessee's number one. Uh, so this is this is two teams that they're going to get it done defensively. Um, and I don't I, I don't know what the over under is going to be. Um, I would cash the. Uh, I would bet the mortgage that that, that under cash is whatever it's going to be. Remember, it's Ben Howland. Ben Howland. Ben Howland. He's gone. Now it's Chris Johns. Oh, Chris oh, Johns out of That's New how Mexico far State. I'm behind. Well, Ben Howland. Ben Howland didn't. didn't I, I remember Santiago. you struggling to remember the name when we did the Rocky Top Rewind. Yeah, I needed the line, but I didn't call him Charlie, so he's good. Hey, Eric, can you yeah. tell me the Andy Griffith character with the with the first no. name Ben? No chance. Ben Weaver. No chance. Ben Weaver didn't like Christmas. He didn't like anything. Freddie DeLoyne's going to be a he part of this like basketball team, but he's right got a red shirt, Grant. Is that right? Uh, he's going to sit out. He's, he's, it's basically going to be a red shirt situation. Rick didn't label it a red shirt situation when we talked to him uh, on Monday before practice, but it's going to be a situation where he gets here, he starts out on the scout team, he gets in the strength uh, program with Garrett Maidenwald, he goes through all that stuff and he just gets adjusted there. The plan is not to play him. The plan is for him just to get here to practice, to get a head start on his career. But the family, they talked about uh, before uh, before the season, they talked to, to Freddie and his family about reclassifying and coming in even earlier back in, uh, back in the fall, but they opted not to do that. And he went to the OTE league for a little bit. He played for word of God in, uh, in North Carolina. And then they, he decided to, to enroll early and his teammate at word of God 
Davin Cosby, who Tennessee did recruit for a while, he's going to enroll early at Alabama as well. So I don't know if this was something they came up with together, but both of those guys, but the plan for Freddie at Tennessee is to get here to practice, to get a head start, just to be better prepared for uh, 2023-24 season. Brent, do you have one more Andy Griffin note to drop in there? Griffith. Griffin. Griffith. You're fired. Shows you how much I like that show. (laughs) Uh, On a a side note, um, I knew I would be remiss. I'm befuddled. I'm disheveled. I'm I'm lost. I would be remiss if I didn't say that I've got to get in the, the best Garner of all Garners, that being James Garner. And I encourage everyone to go and watch his late in career movie, My Fellow Americans, with the great uh, Jack Lemon. Those two were comic genius. <laughs> a lot of Griffiths, a lot of, a lot uh, of, lot of Gardners mentioned today on this podcast, but uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. And a lot we'll, of Eric Kane lost on what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, let, let's talk Star Wars, Harry Potter, and The Office. And maybe Seinfeld here in hey, a couple was, weeks. Was James Garner in Space Cowboys AP? Yes, he was. Another right, great, you, another late in the career seven, movie man. that was really good. That one too. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. So y'all are welcome for this discussion. Y'all are welcome. Don, Donald Sutherland and the great Clint Eastwood. There you go. I know who that is for sure. All right, that'll do it here for this edition of the VolQuest podcast. We'll be back on Thursday for the Mailbag podcast. Go ahead and get in those questions and whatever you guys have for us. Don't forget, like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel. And as always, if you don't have a subscription to us over at VolQuest.com, do it today. It is a great New Year present for that Vol fan in your life. For Awesome Prize, Sprint Hubs, Grant Ramey, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the VolQuest podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.